Welcome to Monkey Off My Backlog, the podcast where we exercise our pop culture demons by tackling our media to-do lists one week at a time. This is part two of our episode about the Pitchfork Top 200 of the last 25 years. Part one featured Tessa and my conversation with Jarrett about the list. Part two features our discussion with Lazi. Hi, Lazi. How are you? I'm great, mate. How are you? Ah, we're having a great time talking about music. Yeah. The fact that pop music has this real legacy of, oh, that's what girls listen to, or that's what gay people listen to. And I mean, like, even when I was a kid, it was very much like, well, what's the real music you listen to? It's not, it can't be, you know, that pop music. And so it's just, it's kind of treated in this gendered way, but also in this, like, it's not real sort of way. And like the real music is like Radiohead. Yeah. So I, I get you. I think your point about gender is right. I also think it's pop music is viewed as that's what teenagers Uh, like, right? You mature, your taste mature, mature right um until you get through the need to be mature and start enjoying yourself again (laughs) you start valuing joy more well like i like a like my go-to music is breathy uh, female singer-songwriters um i uh, i absolutely will listen to tons of it god you gotta like a bit of abba at the same time you gotta like a bit of I'm going to say something that's very controversial. Ed Sheeran makes really good music. Like it's good pop music. It's fun, fun to listen to. It's fun to dance to. Why don't you blend that in a little bit? Why do you, why hate, do you joy? hate joy? Like why do you hate joy? So, and and I think this is a really great place to bring this up because I'm looking at you know some things that you wrote down for the episode, and I just I, I want to preface this by saying in our household. When we say, to quote the bard, we are no longer talking about William Shakespeare. We are, of course, talking about Taylor Swift. Well. Now, you've referred to her as something else. I referred to her as our Lord and Savior, Taylor Swift, because... Yes, yes. (laughs) So the gospel of Taylor Swift is what we're here to talk about today. I mean, look, 1989 (laughs) is... um, 105th on this album on this list and if they were just waiting for a 1989 taylor's version to come out then maybe i'll give them credit but i suspect they're not no 1989 should be well folklore isn't very high on this list either no and then there's not a lot else and i mean to me 1989 is the best pop music pop album of the last that's i i just think that's i i you know the point about Taylor Swift is well taken. I just can't believe you're making it with 1989. That's that's <laughs> all. Because here's the thing. I don't like 1989. And I'll tell you why. The gimmick doesn't work. The songs are good. They are filtered through a gimmick. What I'm really hoping 1989 Taylor Swift's version is, is a re-record and then a reinterpret. And And the thing about it is, the reason that Carly Rae Jepsen's Emotion album is so successful is that's what Taylor Swift was trying to do. The reason Haim's album Days Are Gone is so successful, even though it's not on this list, but totally should be, Great. is they are trying to do something too. 
you know, the way that Danielle Heim is able to do like the, the Steve Lukather 80s studio musician thing that you hear on Thriller, the way that emotion could legitimately be from the 80s. Yeah. It just, you know, to me, I just don't think that Taylor Swift leaned into it enough. I uh, disagree. I think 1989. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> we're allowing this. Um, I think 1989 oh, yeah. is uh, more consistent, more solid than all of those other albums. I think that um, Emotion is fantastic, but patchy. I think that um, Days mm-hmm. Are Gone, again, phenomenal. I can't remember. There's a track on it which is it my song five uh which i love so much it's so good good, but i just think everything roots from 1989 i feel like reputation was her trying to force something i still think there's good stuff on there um but but i feel like her everything she's done subsequent to that is her kind of relaxing a little bit Uh, which is weird to say about taylor swift who seems to be the least relaxed person in the world but the concept's fine, but it's just not, it doesn't really match up with what the artist's strengths are or whatever. Like to me, reputation is her working something out. And then. Yeah, agreed. Well, everything got better after that, obviously. Now I don't, you know, obviously we all like Taylor Swift and it's like, like 1980, I'm not, I'm not going to, yeah, I said this as a preface to when we were talking with Jarrett, you know, it's not really a, none of this is objective. So it's like, you know, Lots of people like 1989. Like that's that's it's cool. It's great. What I think is the most important thing to say, though, is that when we talk about the people who wouldn't give her respect, we really are talking about the people who voted on this list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and- yeah, because you would expect her to be more represented, I think, in a list that is supposed to be about the greatest albums in of the last 25 list, years because yeah. she's been... Right, because she has been such a a monumental influence on pop. Like you even get pop musicians now, like Olivia Rodrigo, who isn't on this list by virtue of her album hadn't come out yet when this when this list was really being compiled. But someone like her saying like Taylor Swift is one of my biggest influences. Like she's the one who taught me how to write songs the way that I write songs. And so you know, that I think alone is a reason why Taylor Swift should be on this. But I think the other reason, like you said, is she's she's an adolescent artist. She's a uh, I, I think she's forever tied with teenagers in a way that I don't think is true anymore. I don't think her listenership is mostly teenagers anymore. But because she started writing music so young, I think she's kind of tied in that category. Right. She's not a teenager. Right. No. And, yeah. and- no, we're the same age, actually. So it's been interesting. <laughs> I mean, I will talk a little bit for a second about perception as well, because country music just doesn't, re- US country music just does not make the same impact over here that it does over there. So right. um, she Fair. she was never really, or to my perception, was never really aware of her in the same way uh, from, a, from a sort of country background. You sort of were vaguely aware of her from some of the stuff from Red, from like, we are never getting back together and, and 22 and like, you know, okay. like the poppier stuff that cuts through a bit more. That is, that is teenager. That is, that is, that is, um, is there still great pop songs? 1989, I think is her breakthrough over here. I mean, that mm. seems like a, um, a weird thing to say, because she was certainly aware of over here, but I don't know anyone over here who, who doesn't think of 1989 as that seminal sort of thing. 
Okay, that's that's really interesting. And by the way, we own like three copies of that album. So like I don't want to make you and Taylor's version hasn't even yeah. come out yet. So I don't want to make you think that but I well I think that's really interesting because we've talked you and I a little bit about to me Britpop means like girls aloud. Wow. Okay. Like I don't think I don't Oasis is not Britpop to okay. me. That's really interesting. So I, I I don't know what Britpop means to you specifically, but just when I say that, but we obviously we know Oasis. Yeah. Right. Obviously, you know, like, uh, you know, anything in that vein, you can go backward to Stone Roses. Yeah. You can go up to whomever people who like Oasis listen to now. Um, <laughs> Mostly but, still Oasis, still doing the same album, right. even whether it's Noel, Noel was uh, High Flying Birds or BDI or whatever they've made. Yeah, see, there so. you go. But outside of the Spice Girls, I don't know that most people here could really name any of those. And there's just been like half a dozen really solid girl groups yeah. in Britain since the, uh, since the Spice Girls. And I've listened to most of them, but that's just by virtue of like deciding I wanted to and the internet exists. <laughs> so it's really interesting. You say that about Taylor Swift. It goes both ways though. Sad. Oh yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure. And one of the obvious things with this list is it's an American list. So um, constructed yep. by mostly by Americans. So the balance is there, uh, which makes me surprised when I see, you know, such a high representative of British artists. Now, a lot of that is Radiohead, <laughs> but <laughs> which, which we can get yeah. to later. Well, we do have a, sp- we do have a special relationship, oh, don't you God, know? Please. <laughs> I mean, musically speaking, I mean, I think the Beatles did forge what is more arguably an actual special relationship. You know, one where British music above, I mean, even above Australian. I mean, think about how Kylie Minogue, maybe you don't even know this, but Kylie Minogue has had an absolute failure to launch over here, which is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. I mean, NXS is really the only, like... I'm an Olivia Newton-John super fan. This is a completely different thing, though, for a completely very specific reason that we don't have time to talk about. (laughs) But, I mean, I think her and Kylie are people that are much more well-known where you are than where we are. Yeah, Olivia Newton-John, not so much. Kylie is is like a Madonna-level, like, really huge. And, okay, not not as present in the last decade or 15 years, but... Um, Kylie's stuff in the late '90s, early 2000s was huge. I mean, you, you, just to go back on on the earlier point you made about British girl groups. So, one of the challenges with them is, and you mentioned Girls Aloud. Girls Aloud are the first girl group from the pop stars, pop idol stable of TV of reality TV shows. Mm. So, an awful lot of British pop band music got taken over in the 2000s by reality tv they're just i didn't know that i didn't know that they were yeah they were the first one i didn't know they lost the final like they they actually lost to a boy band who went nowhere um there was a band i think before (laughs) them called hearsay as well but but really like they were and then you obviously had Sugar Babes, who were uh, who were another sort of ma- manufactured yep. band. Um, there's a very very good um, Simon Amstel joke, which is my sister's going for a gap year. She's going to be in the Sugar Babes. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. 
I like it. I mean, Girls Aloud's pop music is phenomenal. And then, uh, you know, this then goes to the songwriting part of it, which is an awful lot of the songwriting mm-hmm. for Girls Aloud, for Kylie Minogue, you know, for Britney, for a lot of uh, people from that era, was kind of written by a lot of the same people who are phenomenally wealthy, but you wouldn't know their names in the, in the same way. So mm-hmm. the difference with Taylor is... She writes her own stuff, despite what Damon Album right. might say in a stupid interview that he needed to backtrack hey. from immediately. There, now we're back to the other Britpop. <laughs> I do enjoy that every <laughs> once in a while someone tries to say something absolutely untrue about Taylor Swift and like don't realize that her fan base will come after them in like the most rabid, ferocious way that I've ever seen a fan base come after a person. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Like, like they came only, after they came after you, Pitchfork like, for not giving her a ten on folklore. Remember? Yeah, that's true. They did actually. There was a huge backlash uh, against Pitchfork for giving folklore a less than ten on there, which is oh, hilarious because Pitchfork day. never gives a ten to any album. Like it was except actually, for Radiohead. Except for Radiohead, it was <laughs> it, they. They are like. They just, they're very, uh, when they gave Folklore the score they gave it, which I think was actually fairly high. I think it was like an eight, which is very high for for a Pitchfork mm-hmm. uh, score. Like the Swifties who do not read Pitchfork, like they are not Pitchfork's like. Oh no, this is a Twitter mob, you know, right? Target like, it's not a, it's yeah. not yeah. a coherent yeah. response to criticism. Right, exactly. Yeah. It was just very funny to me because it was just like. I feel like at this point, like if you are a person saying things about Taylor Swift, they had better be very nice or they had be better be very true. Because if you're not going to say something that's true, like you are going to get torn apart on the internet. You know, it's really interesting that you brought up the the famous group that lost their reality show thing. So and then you also said prior to that, that the country music doesn't make a big impact over there, which totally makes sense. But um, uh, Miranda Lambert, who is not on this list but should be, was third place on her reality show oh, wow. and is one of the biggest country music artists okay. of at least the last 10 years, if not more. I will also say, in terms of manufactured pop groups and the American-centric nature of this list, two people that I think are legitimately missing from this list one is like probably the most exported J-pop artist, uh, Hikaru Tada. I would put her debut album on there. Um, that got a lot of coverage. Also, Blackpink. Blackpink's the album. album. Yeah. But that goes against exactly both things you said. It's not American, not British, and they are manufactured. I mean... It, you you were going to start talking about J-pop and K-pop, and I was going to be like, dude, I don't know. I'm too old. I don't know. But I've heard of Blackpink. I know Blackpink. Like, I've heard a couple of their songs, and they're phenomenal. So I talked about them on the podcast several episodes back. <laughs> also, the album's like 30 minutes long. Okay. <laughs> yeah, could, it's a very short you album. You could correct that very but... quickly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there is... I think we do have to, to point out, and you bring up a good point, that this list isn't just male and older generation biased. It's also very American biased yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I did have a, my direct reaction to this, to reading the list the first time was very much this. What? Man. 
Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> I almost, what I really wanted, I don't know if you, you know this one. I mean, I hope, you know what? I really hope you don't know this because if you do, it really tells you some bad things about America that are unfortunately true. I almost wrote in the notes, but it took a couple of steps to get to the joke. Instead of why does Pitchfork hate women, I wanted to write, can you define woman? Which is which is a debate here about, you know, transgender people. It's very people heavy and, debate at the moment in the UK, as I can imagine. I yes, I know. <laughs> but that's that's been one of the, the most... Yeah ridiculous parts has been people asking other people what a woman is in public political conversations it's, it's people right we now. don't talk about so please stop talking about us right but yeah that's <laughs> that is kind of how i felt although i did like that when you if you scroll down to the bottom of the list they give you a lot of different demographic yeah. information which i think is very interesting and the top artists for women were very different than the top artists for men and what's interesting, and this tells you that more men voted in this reader collected poll, is that the the ones in the the men list, which is almost all Radiohead and Kanye, are actually represented in the top two hundred list mm-hmm. versus the ones that the women and NBs voted for. Because there's a women's list and an NBs list as well. Yeah, it doesn't tell you how many, right? It doesn't tell you what the break right. what the demographic breakdown is of uh so we definitely have a lot more to say about the list itself and what's behind it. And I think it's really interesting to hear your take on this. But since we are talking about women, can we talk about one in specific? Can we talk about Fiona Apple? Yep. Sure. So I picked three albums. One was uh, Fiona uh, Apple's Fetch the Bolt Gutters. One was Neutral Milk Hotels in the Aeroplane of the Sea. And one was Mad Villainy's Mad Villain. Um, or Mad Villains, Mad Villainy, I should say. So I had vaguely heard of Fiona Apple before. I did not know her that well, honestly. I had sort of the slightest hint in the air of knowledge of Neutral Milk Hotel, and I'd never heard of, of Mad Villain. So I, I specifically picked things that I'd never heard of before, um, just because why not? And I'd heard of a lot of Radiohead before as well. <laughs> so, <it was> <laughs> so I'll start with the with Fiona Apple. So uh, I've got a little quote from Pitchfork for each one of these. So Pitchfork said, Fiona Apple's fifth record is unbound. No music has ever sounded quite like it. <laughs> Apple recorded Fetch the Bolt Cutters both in and with her Venice Beach, Venice Beach home. Banging on its walls, stomping on its ground. Self-reliance is its rule. Curiosity is its key. Now, ignoring the insane pretentiousness of that paragraph, <laughs> um, the reviewer does not appear to have heard of Regina Spector before. because It's true. Because or, it's true. or Tori Amos? Oh, yeah, well, I mean, like, Which is, or, yeah. or many other people. Amy Mann. I mean, Kate Bush. Come Kate on, Bush, if you just want to keep going back. June Yards, I mean... <sighs> This album is fine. It's not bad. I don't want to. I don't know uh, Fiona Apple well enough to to judge it in her oeuvre, but it's fine. It's it's fine. Why is it a top twenty five album? I have no it, uh, like. Is there some recency bias in here? I, I'm just like. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> of course. I would. I know that was rhetorical, uh, but let me answer it for yeah. you. <laughs> I I would just say like. 
it is a more boring Regina Spector album. There are two or three Regina Spector albums that are absolutely out of this world phenomenal, and they're all better than this. They're all more emotional. They have the same uh, creativity to me with the way that she's a voice, with the way she speaks and then sings and, and mixes that together, the way she uses percussion from the physicality of the instrument. And again, I, I don't want to sound too bad on this album. It's fine. It's just like, I don't know why it's here at all. So, Well, if it helps, I'm a big fan of Fiona Apple, and I have been since 1996. This album is fine. I don't know why it's this high on the list. Well, I think part of it is because Tidal is her best album, but that is 96, which is right at the Tidal cutoff. Tidal is not her best album. I think Tidal's her it's best album. It's not her best I album. I mean, it's definitely the best uh, Megan Trainor song. <laughs> wow. How could you? Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I, I will, I mean, just very, very quickly, I can fill in the gaps for okay. you. I mean, so like... I mean, Fiona Apple is like an American Gen X yeah. icon. I mean, and her most commercial album was her first album that came out in, um, I think it actually came out, no, it came out in 95, because I got back to the country in 96, and she was already on single number three. So that was the main album. She was 19 at the time, and she hooked up with Paul Thomas Anderson okay. in the late 90s. So her second album, When the Pawn Hits... Several more words, which is farther down on the list. <laughs> I noticed there were very wordy album titles, which I approve of. In right. General. So that came out in 99, and it's very influenced by Paul Thomas Anderson. But you can only influence Fiona Apple so much because she's such a big personality. That's a good album. Uh, her record label did not want to release her third album. So there's actually two versions of it. There's the quote-unquote lost version, which I think is better, but that's a different story. That's Extraordinary Machine. Both of those albums are better than Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Idler Wheel, which is on the list as well, I don't care for either. It's fine. It's it's really, it's like, it's a recency bias. This That's what this list told me. Yeah. It's interesting that, that um, so I know Amy Mann quite well. And it sounds like you saying uh, there was a American sort of folkish singer, song, female singer, songwriter in the 90s. She fell in love with Paul Thomas Anderson. I'll be like, I assume that's Amy Mann. I don't, like. <laughs> that's fair. That's totally fair. That is, that is absolutely fair. I, I do have to say, this is not an album and it shouldn't influence what goes on this particular list. But the moment in Hustlers where uh, where Jennifer Lopez strips to Fiona Apple's Criminal is like one of the best things in the world. If you haven't seen it, such a good it's movie. amazing. Such a good I movie. have not seen that film, but that sounds amazing. It's better than, better than The Big Short. Uh, you... Uh, this this will get cut out of the episode probably. You would love it, Lossie. Okay. It's a great film. <laughs> it is it is the best movie about the 2008 financial meltdown. The Big Short is one of my favorite movies of all time. This, this one's is, better. This one is better because it's from a very different perspective. Yeah, than the I Big can Short. see I can see that. But like, okay, so we can fully cut this out. But like, I work in IT for financial <laughs> services. I understand market and credit risk because I've worked in it for the last eighteen to twenty years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Big Short is a pretty good movie. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I actually really like The Big Short as well. It's just that this is from the perspective. This isn't from like a. P- 
ears of Wall Street people perspective. It's from a trickle down. Oh no, this is like the like, when they go meet the uh, strippers in Florida. If the movie then twisted ninety degrees and followed the strippers after it, right? That, yes, that, that could be exactly. It. That and could there's be a, it. there's a scene where J Lo puts her fur coat around uh, Constance Wu. Like it's just amazing. So what we're saying is is the big short into darkness. Yes. yes. And and <laughs> and I will also say there are I don't remember how many times it comes up in the movie. I've read the Michael Lewis book, but Hustlers never uses the word tranch. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> uh, anyway, so, sorry I derailed us. Why here. do you hate the French? Why do you hate the French, Sam? <laughs> I I just I don't <laughs> I don't know. I think it's really interesting that you brought up Regina Spector, who is not on no. the list. What, I, what Regina Spector album would you put yeah, on this list? Yeah. Uh, oh, God, my brain's just gone blank. I'm going to type in Regina Spector album, so if you hear typing, I probably I, 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 There are two songs that come to mind, and I think they're on two different albums, but Ode to Divorce and uh, Carbon Monoxide. And if those are all on the same album, then it's that one, but... <laughs> I like the album Samson as well. Begin to Hope is the one with Samson, which I always cry at. So that is a phenomenal album. Soviet Kitsch is a great album. What We Saw from the Cheap Seats is a great album. Apromola Deluge, which is on um, uh, Begin to Hope. Yeah. I, 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 so yeah. let me ask you a question then. Um, and this goes back to we, we both, we all just named songs. <laughs> yeah. It was like, what album is that on? You talked about how, because the big feature of Fetch the Bolt Cutters, other than it's based on a British show starring American Gillian Anderson. Oh, is, is it? Is it based on sex education? Yes. What? She said, no, 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 the other one. The one she did first. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. She actually says Fetch the Bolt Cutters. So that's what, I don't know what to tell you. I wonder what it's like in Fiona Apple's head. Anyway, I love her though. But even in the pitchfork, every single piece of press for this album talks about the house being an instrument and how Fetch the Bolt Cutters is a singular album because it features the house, the dog, and all of those things. Right. But here's the question. What is an album to you? <laughs> uh, Good question or bad question. Possibly. Is it a collection of songs? I mean, it is. Does it signify more? We're getting existential now, which I appreciate on uh, Easter Sunday. <laughs> Somehow Jesus returned. Uh, but um... <laughs> we have an album called Jesus on <laughs> And they were like, 27 there's only se there's only six albums by radiohead on here so tom york i don't know although the eraser's not on here and i find that odd please go on yeah because okay look you can because you can have you have compilation albums right but do we consider those to be albums there are best of albums do we consider those to be albums i think an album is a collection of songs written within a conceived of an grouped together within a a set period but is that a modern bias like what were albums 
in the 50s i don't know i wasn't around then what were albums in the 50s and 60s created like were they created in a group setting like let's make them all in one go or were they just pulled together so i don't know is it like pornography i know when i see it right well you know it's interesting you know with that question of course you know music was definitely more geared towards 78s and then 45s and so if you think about Let's see. So if you think about me, please, please me with the Beatles, Beatles for sale on a hard day's night and help. Actually, those were all chopped up when they went from EMI to Capitol. And that is the, I think that's the answer to that specific part of your question is that it wasn't until, uh, when is rubber soul? Is that 66? or is that still no, 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 66 that's really when you can put your finger on the time when that it's not to say that nobody had done it but that's really when it arrived in popular conscious uh you know thinking about not just rubber soul but also like um pet sounds yeah. and and albums like that you yeah. know so in in the way that you're talking you know, the early albums really were compilations, not of greatest hits, just of songs, yeah. you know. Well, and covers were a lot more common. Like, but songs didn't really industry. belong yeah, to an artist. Exactly. They got written and then passed around and mm -hmm. you paid to record yeah. them. And it's just whoever's was most famous. That was the one that sort right. of won. And you get into all the business with the Brill Building and the songwriters for Motown, yeah. you know, who are just cranking out hits. But that's... That's what hit, that's what mattered, right? And that's completely that different units, then because right? who's writing those songs and who's performing them, and and exactly. the 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 band who writes their own songs, the um, you know, the singer songwriter of the that we think mm -hmm. of and tie so heavily to the late sixties and the early seventies. I think that you're right. That's a transfer. I mean, like Elvis. You think of Elvis, you might think of Elvis albums, and we all know that Elvis wrote almost none of his songs, right? So, yeah, right. Which is fine. Like again, yeah, that's no, not no, a criticism. No it's, it's just, just a different thing. Uh, to me, albums. Uh, I think albums are also different. And when we ask, like, what's a good album versus what's a bad album? Like, some albums are just a collection of really great songs that were written around the same time that were put together, right? Fair uh, enough. But there are other albums that do actually try to lean into the album as a text. You know, in the last in the last part of this episode, we talked about like Kendrick Lamar's To Pimp a Butterfly and how that is a singular text. You can listen to tracks off of that album and they make sense, but together they mean something greater than the sum of its parts. Same thing with Dirty Computer by Janelle Monet or The Electric Lady. Um, there are just some albums that do lean into like each song is a text, but like as a whole, this is a piece of art all on its own. And it's a spectrum, right? Much like everything. Oh yeah. So yes. we go from complete compilation of separate individual songs through to full end-to-end -end concept where, where basically the, you know, one song starts, the next song begins, or one track starts, then the next one, one track ends, the next one begins. Um, and you wouldn't know the difference if there wasn't a microsecond pause in between the computer scanning and, right. and, and transferring to the net, to the memory, right? Like, <laughs> because it's not an LP anymore. Yeah. 
I will tell you though, there is one album that I think of that's a greatest hits album that actually functions as an album unto itself. Okay. And that album is Abba Gold. Yeah, and and that's just force of will. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> that's really all it is. I can't <laughs> branding as well. It's a great brand. I, I so I I think there's also like you know, where were you when you first heard this music? So if you first heard music yeah. through a Greatest Hits album, so to me, Queen Greatest yeah. Hits Volume 1 is an album because that's where I heard Queen. Is most. that the one with Flash on it? Yes. Starts with Bohemian Rhapsody, has, you know, Flash, has uh, Fat Bottom Girls, has, um, mm-hmm. you know, so many. And Greatest Hits Volume 2 is great as well. And then it starts slight diminishing returns after that but i didn't (laughs) know queen albums i knew queen greatest hits volume one i only knew like the last queen album which was recorded as freddie mercury was close to passing away made in heaven which is a great album yeah but um and i knew like a couple of songs that were released periodically sort of in my late early years (laughs) in my late early years (laughs) Uh, and I like my memory of that album is intense because it is my parents had that on a tape where um, the first sort of two thirds of the tape was Queen Greatest Hits Volume One. And the, the rest of the tape was Babushka by Kate Bush. And uh, <laughs> which is and like that is one of the most formative tapes that I listened to on car journeys. <laughs> but can I can I just tell you mine was paired so my mom didn't put the whole album on. So mine was paired with two. Right. Okay. Not Babushka. Make it big. Wham. And Rock and Soul Part One, the greatest hits of Hollow Notes. Okay. <laughs> this is a different experience, but different not experience. just as formative. <laughs> so is this is this a time where we explain to Tessa what a cassette tape was? Okay, I, I'm uh, old enough appro- to know what a app- cassette tape is. <laughs> so, one of Tessa's siblings got their parents' old, you know, the old stereos, the ones that are small enough to pick up and carry, but they're components. They got, and it has a, a tape player on it. And so they got it working, sent me a thing on Telegram the other day. It was like, but I only have one tape. And I'm like, I actually think I have a couple of blanks I can give to you so you can actually dub a tape and see what it see what it feels like so i my parents we did mostly tapes until i was around 10 and then we switched over to cds so i do remember what tapes are i just don't have the formative music associations with them because i was too young to really be listening to my own music at that point so my formative relationship with music happened on cds mostly so i think for me it was very much the 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 late Gen X blend over. So my dad started collecting CDs in around 1988 when we moved to the States and he had got like a CD club and like got loads of CDs through. through oh there. God. Right. Columbia <laughs> house, BMG. Yeah, yeah. But you didn't have CD players in cars at the time, or if you did, they were super yeah. expensive or you had to put like six CDs in the boot and you couldn't change them as you were going on. You had to pick from that. Yep. And um, so tapes were still very accessible. And certainly when I first drove a car, I didn't have a CD player. Actually, I did have a Discman with a CD adapter, uh, with a tape player adapter thing. So I did listen to a bit there. But like when I was a teenager and cycling around, I was listening to tapes. When I was going to school, I was listening to tapes. 
um, when I was making mixtapes, they were mixtapes, not mix CDs. And then when I went to uni in 98, that was basically the cut over and the transition. So my Discman was pretty much established then. Um, I had a CD player with me at, at uni. I had a computer. Winamp started coming in and uh, and all the sort of downloading stuff started coming in around the same time, ripping and downloading. But um, mm-hmm. I spent <laughs> I spent much of my time at uni collecting CDs to uh, only to sell them ten years later. Same. I, I actually don't know if I've ever told you this, Sam, but this just like sparked a visceral memory in me of not having a car with a CD player. So I drove, my parents had this old white van and that's the car I learned how to drive on. And that's like the car that I drove a lot when can't, I was a teenager. Can't be kidnapped by a white van I if you're the one if driving I'm the one it. If you're driving it, you can't be kidnapped. But <laughs> I, uh, but it had a tape player in it and I didn't have a lot of tapes at that point. But the one tape I had that I listened to all the time was a Best of the Monkeys album. So there you go. All the way back to the best of. Best of. <laughs> Who were a manufactured Did boy band. Yeah, they were. They were. And they were amazing. Uh, uh. Anyway. <laughs> Neutral Milk Hotel. Oh, yeah. Back to, back to the podcast. When you, can't, when you can't make a good transition from one topic to another... Don't. Just say Neutral Milk <laughs> just, Hotel. Just it works in Neutral every single Hotel. situation. An album I've never listened to. I, I say, will have to say I've never listened to them either, but I do know them from April on Parks and Rec. They are her favorite band. That is all. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So to start with, the dude sure mentions semen a lot in the album. Like there are multiple direct, not like metaphors, there are also metaphors, but like there are direct semen references. And I'm like, okay, dude, I'm right, fine. <laughs> All right, we get it. <laughs> you got it. All right, cool. It's, it's really good. Like it's a really good album. It, it's um, particularly as someone who likes sort of alt folky stuff, there's a lot of that influence into the, into the sound of the of the band really enjoyed that. Um, so I, I call this alt folk. I, I, I'm interested in, and as Americans, what, what, how you would class this, what genre is neutral milk hotel? Indie. Indie. Okay. Right. Yeah. Generic indie. Which I think is actually more of a, like we have a bad habit, I think in the U S sometimes of referring to things by their marketing names instead of like their genre names. And I feel like indie is one of those terms that's sort of overused now, but that's how, Neutral Milk Hotel would be classified. So to me, it- alt, alt folk is not a, a a term that would be foreign to us right. either. We do put alt in front of everything. <laughs> so in terms of musical, like Casey Musgraves is alt country. Yeah, okay. You know, like stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah. So I... Uh, but indie. But indie, yeah. I mean, indie's a big umbrella. So like to me, indie includes Britpop. And I mean, by Britpop, I mean... Blur, Oasis, Sleeper, Garbage, um, you know, Stereophonics, all that, all that sort of stuff. The only problem I've got with this, again, why is it in the top twenty-five? Because to me, this is a five percent off, ten percent off, less interesting Elliot Smith. And maybe it's because Elliot Smith stuff mostly came out before the Pitchfork reviews were coming through. But yeah, again, it's a really good album. And when I say alt folk, it's because I don't just mean it's alt folk because it's random or 
there's elements of the music, elements of the instruments that they use. Like there's a, it sounds like there's a hurdy gurdy in there in terms of like the consistent noise that comes out of, of it, which I would class as, well, that is, that's like folk, that's like English folk sort of noises that are in this, but there's like forward drums. There's, there's, you know, strong choices being made. It's not just, as my sister would call it, pixie music. Um, so, <laughs> So it, like it sits somewhere in between. Um, there are like there are more modern UK folks, alt folk singers like No and the Whale, and uh, I know Tess. We've talked about Laura Marling before. Who I love, Laura Marling. I yes, agree. She should be represented, and she's mm-hmm. not, and uh, that is a crime. Uh, but um, yeah, but yeah, again, like really good. But I can't help but compare them to someone else. Much like Fiona Apple, I can't help but compare that to Regina Spector and go, I like this, but I feel like Regina Spector did it better. And again, maybe it's the album that, we, that we've got here. But then again, I say, well, why is this album on the top 25? Neutral Milk Hotel, this is a good album. Why is this more present than Elliot Smith? If this list existed, either or came out in 97. I, I, I'm, I think it... I, Maybe it's on the list. I can't remember, but but yeah, either, or, either was or is on the list, early ninety yeah. seven. Yeah. Would you if 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 this list had come out and either or was there in that same spot? Would you? What would you have thought about that? Yeah. I mean, it's not my favorite Elliot Smith album, but mm. how dare you have a different favorite <laughs> Elliot Smith album? <laughs> I mean, feel free to convince me, but like, it's from a basement on a hill is is maybe an obvious choice, but like, that's uh, that's the one for me. Yeah. Again, like, I I don't want to be critical. These are good albums. They're both good albums. This one is. I enjoyed this more than I enjoyed uh, the Fiona Apple one. Okay. But. Hmm. I I just I just look at it. And I listen to it. I look at it. I listen to it and go. I don't get what makes this a top 25 album for which and a top 25 album doesn't mean it's someone's gone. This is in my top 25 albums, right? This means that a lot of people have gone. This is my top in my top five album or top three albums. Right. And it's showed up there. I was going to say, this actually kind of reminds me of the conversation we had with Jared about the strokes, like where a lot of people like the strokes, but why are the strokes better than any of the other handful of bands that are doing the same thing at the same time? Like there's this sense too, that like they're doing something very specific, but perhaps there's other people doing it better. Like, why is this one, the one that you picked, which I think is interesting. The strokes show up multiple times on the, and I love the strokes. And, and is this, I think is a, uh, I think is the right one to be in the top 25 for me. Not again, not necessarily that it has my favorite songs on it even, but that I think as a, an album, I mean, it was, it was released in 2001. They had to cut songs off of it because um, of, uh, of the, of nine 11, right? Like it is, it was a, of a moment. There's a great book called Meet Me in the Bathroom, which is like this oral history of all of the bands at the time, including another band who are massively overrepresented on this list, LCD Sound System, who, again, I like, but way overrepresented on this list. I think that was a like a, a an interesting shift in music at the time. I think that Is This It was on the 
like on the cusp of the wave of of how music changed, particularly um, US driven. So sort of off the back of of the Blur Oasis Brit poppy stuff. This was right. then moving it back over the. And then a couple of years later, you have the Killers, and uh, so I think, like I think, this is the Killers is the other band. That was that's the what link. I'm thinking about. Sorry, we had this whole conversation in the first part of the episode where Sam was like, "What is the relationship between the Strokes and Panic at the Disco?" And I was like, "I think I'm too young to make that connection because I love Panic at the Disco, but I was too young to listen to the Strokes. It's that's the Killers. It. You put your you yeah. put there's your another on step it. in the way, which is Fallout Boy. Yes." Yes. Right. Well, so, and see, that's what I listen to. I listen to the Killers, Fall Out Boy. Well, I love all of it. I like like that whole spectrum. And I think, yeah. weirdly, Panic at the Disco. Well, let's let's give Taylor Swift the credit for this, but like they have lasted longer than a lot of those bands. Yeah. They're still putting out like interesting things a lot later than uh, a lot of those other bands. I'm glad you were able to defend the Strokes because I didn't like it. Okay, I'd never heard it before. Oh wow. I knew enough about Casablanca's to know, to have a good idea, but I just didn't like it. And I'm glad you told me why, not why I should like it, because I'm going to continue not liking it. And that's fine. But I wanted to hear why, why someone would like, not in a... I I think it's capital I important as an album. Yes. Okay. So that's exactly what I was thinking about. Because it seems like to me, because Jarrett brought up television uh, and how, you know, what what the Strokes are doing is something that was very of a time in New York in the late 70s. And so I'm thinking about how the Strokes are exactly, as you say, capital I important because they are the missing link between you know, that, that 70s weird melting pot of, of art rock, punk rock, rock rock, <laughs> you know, and that's what it comes out as. And then they're riffing, literally, on that, yeah. you know, in the early 2000s. But their lasting legacy, perhaps, more than the music they made, are all the bands we just talked about. I mean, we haven't even talked about things like Franz Ferdinand, the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs, like all of these bands around around at the same time. Um, uh, Vamp- Vampire Weekend, Vampire Weekend is, also... is, is Yeah, it's a couple of years later, but it's not not far off. If you look at where, where you had grunge, where you had grunge moving into, you know, uh, pop punk, and um, I love all of those things, by the way. This is not me <laughs> slagging any of them off. I, I was a pop punk kid at uni. I, um, if, if you're going to ask me for one album that should be on here that everyone should listen to is Let's Talk About Feelings by Lagwagon. It's 25 minutes long and it's phenomenal and no one knows it. Like, it's great. But, um, but, the, but there was something, I don't know, tighter. There's something... 70s or cooler i think about the way and again i will say like it came out that album came out just after 9-11 albums to wear a leather jacket to uh yeah yeah i think so i think leather rather than like slouchy like leather jacket and tight pants rather than uh rather than slouchy slacks and and jeans and you know like it's everything's a bit thinner a bit skinnier a bit a bit uh a bit tighter 
it's it's a bit more cocaine and heroin than it is <laughs> hot and, nice. and booze. Okay, so before we talk about Mad Villain, I am going to ask you what should be on this list. You said you weren't, but I'm going to ask you. <laughs> okay, but but before I do that, actually. Okay, so the top 25 as is. What in particular stands out to you as something that doesn't belong there and something that does belong there? I'm just going to bring it up so I confirm... What are they? I mean, there's okay. there's too fair enough. There's too much repetition of bands. That that's the the number one thing that's, oh, yeah. that shoots out. There's just too much repetition of bands, and that causes a problem for the whole list. It, it I don't know how you guys felt when you first read it, but it just put me on angry. Ed- <laughs> 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 it put me on edge as soon as I read it. I was like. Oh, Sorry. <laughs> that's it. That's ex- I think that's exactly what I said. I actually, I think I said this in the first episode, but I'll tell you really quickly. I'm actually the one who found this list and it was on a road trip. Like we were going to Thanksgiving. And so I just sat in the, I was in the passenger seat and I just read this entire 200 album list out loud to Sam, who was getting angrier and angrier, like in to, the, in the driver's quote, seat. To quote Tom York, <laughs> I believe it's punch up at a wedding. No, 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 no. <laughs> Which is a very good song, actually. Punch up at the wedding. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> what belongs in this top 25? Um, Modern Vampires yeah. of the City is a phenomenal album and deserves to be in the top 25. I really, really like that. I just love that album. Okay. Uh, start to finish. The Suburbs is a great album. Can't really argue with yeah. Arcade Fire too much. Uh, it's not the uh, Lord is great. It's not the Lord album I would have chosen. No more Rockwell by oh, Lana Del, Del Rey is a fantastic album. If you're picking LCD sound system higher than Daft Punk, you're doing something wrong. You just you've like I love LCD sound system. They are again, as I said, they're, they're there's too many of them, and they're too much higher than Daft Punk on this list for me to not get annoyed by it. I'm fascinated by all of this. I am too. What Lord album would you put on the top 25? Melodrama. Well, it's pure I, heroin it's is the only other one to choose from for the I list. I guess that's true. <laughs> yeah, because I Melodrama is my favorite Lord album currently. And so I thought when I answered this question earlier, I said that it belonged on the list, but I was interested to hear what you were. I don't think it's far off. I, I think it's good. I just, I would pick pure heroin over, over it. But that's just, that's a personal taste thing. Well, and oh, I yeah. would, yeah, I was yeah, just curious. Well, I mean, my like, I, I will definitely defend that Lana Del Rey album. Yeah, like, I think it's a really good. It's album. it's uh, hope is a dangerous thing is definitely a a seminal song for me in some ways. But I'm like, okay, is it? Re- I mean, is it the maybe? But okay, well, Born to Die is well, I don't know, but Ultravi, I don't. Yeah, know. yeah. I mean, again, like recency bias is obviously playing a part there right so, i mean the fact of the matter is is she's got some solid albums she's just very very <laughs> you know i can't argue with that um i just i've said this i think to you sam and i said it in the notes but i think the 101 to 125 is a stronger set of albums than 1 to 25 i realized today when we were talking with jared that the 70s have a very strong run of albums 
All right, I'm going to scroll down in the this. in the seventies. Where are we? Yeah. Massive attack mezzanine. Okay, I mean you're like bl- see, blown out t- of see, that's where you should start. Like, yeah. it's a, <laughs> it, it is um, just on. a wonderful, wonderful album. I don't know the yeah. Solange album, um, Vampire Weekend. It's excellent. That is. Isn't that the one with the Cape Cod song on it? That is Cape Cod Cross Across. That is their first album, their right, debut. Right. That is their third best album. It's fine. Um, it's good, okay. but like fine. All right. Pinkerton by Weezer. Someone has been very dodgy with release dates in terms of this. <laughs> good. I know. I thought that too. Yeah. Control by SZA is one of the albums I thought should be higher on the list. I, I don't know that one, so please tell me. I will listen to it now at your recommendation. Okay. Uh, please do. You should. You should. Fleet Foxes. I don't know that Fleet Foxes album. I like their other one. It's good. Um, I'm skipping over Kanye things because whatever. FKA Twigs is great. So, yeah. The XX is a phenomenal album. Wonderful. How is, and, and like, how is that at that specific one? When you've got the XX I think down Jamie there. Jamie XX is also on the list. Yeah, I think I just... there's two XX albums there and a Jamie XX. But yeah, like, again, to me, that's. I, I just love the strip backness of that. It's great. Arctic Monkeys, that is a great album. I, I believe there was a some previous discussion of Arctic Monkeys that I missed, but uh, AM is on there somewhere. AM's fine. The, whatever I, people say I am, that's what I'm not. Like again, if you're talking capital I important albums, in the UK that was an important album. That changed yeah. things. Um so yeah, that's a great, great one. There's a couple other good ones around there. White Stripes Elephants, good. Um, yeah. I, I love Our Angels by Grimes. I know that that is not a cool take. And I know that Grimes <laughs> okay. is not a cool person to like, but I really like that album. Hey, if we were if we were judging people based on their personalities, this list would look very different. <laughs> At 91 is Third by Portishead, which is amazing. And there's a track on there okay. called Machine Gun, which... Which is great. Which is, um, like... I've I found that a very divisive track, but I think it's incredible. I okay. I just have to tell you, as you know, as you know, Portishead in the um, what almost thirty years, twenty eight years of their existence, twenty eight thirty years somewhere in there, they've been very prolific. As you know. <laughs> With a total of three yeah. albums. <laughs> this reminded me of the Futurama joke about I the mean, Beastie Boys. I feel like I feel like Beth does not. I mean, like it's like hurry up and release another album before you have no voice left. Although her solo album is very good, if you haven't heard it, uh, yes, it's an incredible album. Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Really so, um, I think third is my third favorite. Like, actually, in release order is my, and of course, Dummy is ninety four, so it wouldn't go on this list. But I, I it's very strong. It's very hot take from you. To I would go say third is uh, what a well, no, choice. I would go Dummy third. Porter said. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. But yeah, then like Robin. They're very prolific. What do you think should be higher on the list? Yes. Let's let's hear in that. In the top twenty five. Even if, if it's not, you know, on the list or not already. Okay, we'll start what with, with what's on the list. Um nineteen eighty nine should be higher on this list. Yes. Folklore should be higher on this list. Okay. Uh Demon Days by Gorillas should be higher on this list. That is Oh, Damon makes it on the list? Damon, that is... So, okay. Oasis are probably more popular here than Blur. Oasis have made one album and they've kept making it multiple times. Whatever you can say about Blur, they tried things 
they tried new things, they branched off into side projects. Some of them worked, the good, the bad, and the queen, I'm less convinced by. Um, but Gorillas and Gorillas, their first album, which has two incredible singles on that you know really uh just blow blew things out of the water for them made them but that album has like 17 other songs that are completely forgettable on demon days is a really strong album start to finish it and then to our earlier conversation like it tells a story it is an album that pulls things together um so i think that should be higher up the magnetic fields is at 108 um and I want to say that should be higher just because um, it makes me cry because I love it. That's on my list too. Yeah. Hey, I think that something making you cry should be a more important metric in list making than it is. That's my hot take. I will say there are a number of PJ Harvey uh, albums on this list, which make me very happy. Sometimes I sit and think, and sometimes I just sit by Courtney Barnett. It's a really good yeah. album. Oh, so good. It's yeah. it's really strong. Block Party, Silent Alarm is, is great as well. Then in terms of things that aren't here at all, Contra by Vampire Weekend is on this list, and it shouldn't be. Ray of Light by Madonna is on this list. That's a good shout. I like that one. That, I like that on the list. Yeah, me It's too. the only listenable Madonna album uh, it's the last listenable <laughs> Madonna album. Actually, let me say that. Okay, I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick one song, one album to push up the list. Saint Cloud by Waxahachie is okay. Really strong. Um, they've had. She's had two albums in a row. I can't remember the previous name. It's like from Out of the Storm or something was the previous album. But those two albums, one in one after the other, I think were my albums of the year, my favorite albums of the year, both the years that they came out. So I would put, wow. I would push Saint Cloud by Waxahachie, okay, high, high, high up this list. And then in terms of of things that aren't on the list, um, why is Mass Seduction by St. Vincent not on this list? That is an all-time top five album for me. We haven't talked about St. Vincent. Yeah, Absolutely. I, had, I, I was telling Jarrett earlier, this whole has, thing has been an exercise in, oh yeah, I forgot that album existed, but I listen to it all the time. So why did I forget that it existed? But yeah, you know, I don't remember any St. Vincent on this list. The, and, I think there's yeah, one Mass album, on it, but Mass Seduction should should be there for me. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Janelle Monet. I would have, you know, Dirty Computer somewhere. I, she's an exhausting person, but Who Killed Amanda Palmer is an incredible <laughs> album. Speaking of people trying to do exhausting. Tori Amos and Kate oh, and various other people. Like the, oh, the, the, the two Dresden Dolls albums are great. Uh, they are really good. And Who Killed Amanda Palmer is awesome. And she's just sort of become steadily more exhausting subsequent to that that's a that's another person that i think is probably bigger in the uk than she For is sure here. has to be but unless you're a very specific kind of theater kid yeah and then you're very into amanda palmer <laughs> the only other person i want to say let's have it is laura marling and yeah laura marling is what like 28 29 uh, she's put out six albums they're all incredible uh i would put um once i was an eagle in it's a great album yes just and and again you're talking about an album that the first six songs run together effectively as a as a theme and then she sort of goes off and, and does some more more 
in you know interesting things around the side but that album is is incredible uh, an incredible listen so i'm going to give you my list we're going to okay. talk about mad villain and then, we'll do and then we've just we're going to radio head till we're done all right okay so the albums that i haven't mentioned that i think deserve to be pushed up uh bony bears for emma i really just it's pretty high, but I'd put it higher. I would put it higher. Beyonce's I, I, I think yeah. that I would I would also remove every other Bonivere album, but I would put Forever Forever Go in the top five. There you go. Yeah. We talked, Tessa and I, we talked the other day about Beyonce and how Beyonce's first album, conceptual album, is Lemonade. It's pretty high. I'd move it higher. Uh, either or, I mentioned already, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill needs to be like top yeah, 20 that's at the best job. uh folklore obviously top 10 if not type top five robin's body talk yep for all of the radiohead albums amnesiac is way low which is better than kid a i'd say you could take white blood cells or elephant or the white stripes move them up jay-z's the blueprint m.i.a kala which is really really fun I of course move up, born to die, postal service, give up, Rihanna's anti, uh, death cap for cutie, transatlanticism, Lady Gaga, the fame monster, Heim, women in music part three, and airs Moon Safari. I would yeah. definitely say Moon Safari. You can move that way up. Here's the thing, okay? Yeah, just just to be clear we- though, it's still below Daft Punk. Like German beats French. I fine, <laughs> fine. I mean, no, no, no that's uh, we were actually talking about this with um, Tame Impala. If you're gonna do that kind of reinterpretation of a genre by at you know by doing it in a noisy way, creating noise, Pitchfork actually lumps that Tame Impala album with Yankee Foxtrot Hotel by Wilco and um, Kid A. And I'm like, well, if you're gonna put those three together. Tame Impala did the best job of the three. So that, I mean, that's something I think you're creating a same, a very same argument with a, with a, a handful of other no, artists. You know, if you're going to do just, this, if you're going to favor this, I'm just being a dick. It's fine. I know. <laughs> well, you could do both the, things. The I mean, thing else, on. Okay. The one thing I'll say compared to Moon Safari, which is a great album, is do you know yeah. um, Tourist by Saint Germain? Walkie Walkie is also good. Tourist by Saint Germain. No, I would recommend that. I think you would enjoy that. I think. I think when I go back through and I edit all this and put it together, I'm just gonna make a list. I'm just gonna write things down and be like, okay, okay. <laughs> write so Spotify list. playlist, Mo- monkey Spotify list, right? And that's what you. Yeah, oh, we should do that. We're on, not on Spotify, I'll, but we <laughs> but we I'll should put do it. On, uh, I'll um, put it on the Twitter. So yeah. I think folklore should be very high up. I think I broke my recency rule for folklore. I instantly knew it's one of the best albums ever. Like I try not to rank albums anywhere in an artist ranking in a ranking of anything other than albums or songs of that year. Cause I try very hard to avoid the recency effect. My most overlooked album that's on the list is Jesse Ware's what's your pleasure. That could be the best album of the last 25 years. Really? Period. I think, so first of all, as you know, I think the best album in the last 25 years is not a rock album. It is either pop or hip hop or R&B. I, I just, I think that 
I feel it. And so I, I just love that Jesse Ware album. It is ev- it is everything. Even Kylie Minogue knows that was a a fine disco pop album. And when you have the Kylie Minogue se- seal of approval on disco pop, friend, you know you've made it. I oh. didn't mention this in when I was talking about albums. I wish I was on the list, but you just reminded me by saying that yeah. the best one isn't rock. Uh, the pretty reckless. Who are you selling for? Is like, also well, not on this pa- list. I was. I. Oh, you've also made me go. Wait, I forgot to mention Muse, um, which might come up in Radiohead discussions. But um, oh, yes. oh, let's let's save that yeah. because. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I have things. Okay, um, <laughs> the one where they sound like Queen, or the one that has the Twilight song on it. Anyway, we'll come Sam, back. To Sam, that. what's your favorite track yes. on Folklore? And is it exile? Are you are you that basic? <laughs> Sam is a pretty basic white girl. When I it mean, comes right the down great to thing. It. I mean, exile is probably my uh, my choice as well. I have totally enjoyed. You know, maybe the best thing about being trans is being able to be the basic white girl. I've always <laughs> wanted to be that. I didn't know I always wanted to be that. Anyway, um, I don't know. It just keeps moving. It it it's a moving target. It could be Cardigan one day. It could be Exile. It could be Mad Woman, which has been my most recent favorite. It's just a moving target. Man. I'm a Mirrorball fan personally. Mirrorball's great. I love that song. I think you know. Here's the one that's not on the list that I think could be the best album in the last 25 years. Toflo's Queen of the Clouds. Never heard of it. Well, when you talked about the person who's written so many of the songs from the albums of the pop people, it's Tovlo a whole lot. Tovlo has written a, um, for a lot of people, including songs for Lord from right. Melodrama. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So are you ready? Yes. Here's my list of albums that are not on the, on, on the list anywhere that should be. Queen of the Clouds, Lady Gaga's Born This Way, Brand New Eyes and After Laughter by Paramore. Days Are Gone by Haim, The Color and the Shape, and Wasting Light by Foo Fighters. I would consider both Machina and Adore by Smashing Pumpkins on there. They're very overlooked, but that's fine. Hikaru Utada, First Love, Blackpink the Album, Green Day's American Idiot. Yeah, you're right. American Idiot should be on there. Yeah. It, it, American Idiot is a, it's a concept album, it's an album album, and it's phenomenal. Yes. You're right. And it, right. Means the, and it means it's very important, but means different things yes. to two different generations, yes. which I think is, Absolutely. if we're going to talk about importance of albums. I'm going to, I'm going to watch the camera when I say this, I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to keep an eye on Lazi here. Parachutes is a perfect album. <laughs> Fine. No, I mean it's not. Uh, um, yeah, it is. Uh, uh, <laughs> In a, your heart, you know. No, a rush of blood to head to the head is a, a is an incredible album. Parachutes well, fine. is boring, and it should uh, you know whatever. Okay, well, you'll be pleased to know I have parachutes and a rush of blood to the head okay. as a rush of blood to head included. is a really strong album. And again, like I, I'm, I'm trying to. There are great songs on parachutes. But I don't like the album as much. Whereas okay. I love well, Rush of Blood to the Head as an album. Let me ask you this then. I would also put Hopes and Fears on there. You got any love for Keen in your heart? Um, yes. 
<laughs> I really love Keane. I would put I would put hopes and fears, uh, but certainly above parachutes. Fine. I I think that I yeah, it's cheesy piano. That is such it's a cheesy great... piano pop music, but it's fun. Who doesn't like joy, Sam? Tell me, tell me who doesn't like joy. I don't. Lots of people, okay? Lots of people who rank albums on Pitchfork, apparently. Uh, it's like the line in We Are Never Getting Back Together. Go listen you to find your, your peace of mind. With some indie record that's much, much cooler than mine. Yeah. yeah, you can hear the, it's so great. You know, but that's the interesting thing about Coldplay and Chris Martin. You know, the idea of, you know, Piano Man as lead singer, you know. Um, which, you know, they both got away from that. You know, Keen got away from it as quickly as their second album, I think. <laughs> they got away Which is also very good. They got away from good. they got away from success as quickly as their second album as well. Well, you know, they've got some solid songs on all of their albums. I, I will tell you that. I've lost I've lost track of Keen. I can't, I can't criticize what I've it's not heard. Every every couple of years I, I I look and I'm like, oh that's nice. Um, there's a song called You Are Young off of either their most recent or one or two albums back that's really good. So I talked about Miranda Lambert earlier. I'd put Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and Revolution on there, Tessa. Adele 21. Yep, definitely. Back to Black. So uh, uh, weirdly, I'm, I'm grouping um, these London albums together because I live in London and therefore it's my right to do so. But Fine. <laughs> Back to Black by Amy Winehouse and 21 um, by Adele are just incredible, incredible. Yeah, Back to Black should be also be much higher on oh, the sure. list. Oh, sure. I have no problem with that. Um, I would put Watch the Throne on the list. You know that. Florence and the Machine. Lungs. lungs. Yes. Nothing subsequent, but lungs. Like, again, the good songs on <laughs> good individual songs on sub, some subsequent albums, but just not the strength. It's not the same. I I put so those are the ones I definitely think should be on there. I think you can make the argument for a couple. I just want to see the look on your face when I say, "Should we put Be Here Now on there?" If you like, (laughs) I I don't. I mean, (laughs) do you know what I mean? All right, all I'm right, sorry. all right, all right, all right, all right. Hold on, really quickly, and I'll stop. Hello, nasty Beastie Boys version two garbage. Yes, great, great. Wait, wait, wait. No, we're not glossing over that garbage album. That is a yeah. great album, start to finish. Really strong. Uh, you know, people people who don't know um, Shirley Manson should know that, and should know her, and should know that album. I I agree with you. Hundred percent. I'd put Fever and X on there by Kylie Minogue. I'd do both of those. Oh, uh, Kylie Minogue was also featured on a song on Tove Lo's most recent album. This is true. Sunshine Kitty. This is true. That is my connection between yeah, Kylie Minogue and Tove Lo. <laughs> I would uh, Maroon Five songs about Jane, Snow Patrol, Eyes Open. I would put the Eraser on there. It's better than some Radiohead albums that are on the list. Passion Pit, Manners, Katy Perry, Teenage Dream, Ellie Golding, Lights, Billy Eilish, When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go, Ariana Grande, thank you, next. Definitely Billy Eilish, definitely. Definitely. We told Jarrett that she wasn't on the list, and Jarrett was like, was like what? Really? What? <laughs> it seems shocking that where when we all fall asleep, where do we go? Was it, uh, when did the, li- when was it compiled? Was it too late? I mean, I'm, I'm also okay no. with just ruling out anything from the last five years on recency bias basis. 
I mean, that's completely fair, but I think I it's not too late in the in the actual measuring, but I think it does say something again about the age demographic. Mm. Like if if we were if more people under the age of 20 were voting on this list, I feel like it would be not only on the list but probably much higher. But I mean, I've yeah. I've looked at the list and felt, did anyone under the age of forty vote on this? So. Uh, that's also completely. It's interesting. I I really doomed myself when I created this episode, didn't I, Tessa? <laughs> yeah, you did. You're yeah, editing it. Oh, yeah. oh crud. Um, is this podcast just so that you can build a playlist for your road trip? <laughs> I, you know, I think people have created a podcast for worse. <laughs> so if that was in fact true. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to say we set out to do it, but it is, you know, we could claim that that's what we were doing. (laughs) To quote, to quote Peter Gabriel. So, (laughs) um, okay. Before we go to Radiohead, because we have more, tell us about Mad Villain. (laughs) So I had never like most bands, particularly ones that you would expect to be in the top 25. I would have heard of in some way. Like, I, at least the name would have some recognition for me. I didn't, never heard of them. Just saw a picture of a mask on a yeah. on a little tiny square. Guys, this album is amazing. Like, it's really, really strong. This album made me not hate everyone who compiled the list. That's how good it is. <laughs> like, All right. This, this, so Pitchfork said... Mad Villainy is inexhaustibly brilliant with layer upon layer of carefully considered yet immediate hip-hop, forward-thinking but always close to its roots. And you know what? Guys, stop clocks are right twice a day. Yeah. Pitchfork was right about this one! <laughs> oh, man. I had never heard of this either, so I'm I now I kind of want to listen to it based on what you said. I would, like... So it's it's... They're all short tracks. It, it, it's a, it's an album in the sense of there is a concept. Like it's talking, it, you know, it's full of samples, full of new, like old newsreel clips that are building together this mythos, this concept of villains and heroes. So as a, as a correct person who's an X-Men fan, Tessa, that you would like, you get a little bit out of it for <laughs> that person. It's twenty tracks. They're all like less than two minutes, basically. They're all short. It's it's got energy. It's got great beats. When I finish this album, like my phone. So you know, you, you play an album. In my phone, I'm listening to it on YouTube Music. It goes straight to something it thinks is similar. So we went straight to Intergalactic by Beastie Boys, which I think we all agree is an incredible song. I've never not listened to Intergalactic the whole way through when it's come on because why Why would I hate Joy, Sam? Why would I hate Joy? I don't know. And plus, you have to get to the Spock reference. <laughs> Missed. I'll stir fry you in my walk. <laughs> <laughs> walk and Spock rhyme, you guys. They really do. Like- How is that not the perfect song? <laughs> I can't say anything more with without spoilers, so that's all I'll say. Yeah, so I I didn't listen to the end of it. I went back and re-listened to the album, and then I whilst I was re-listening to the album, I went on my phone and ordered it on vinyl. It is a wonderful listen for uh, just a I don't know. It's just a great album. There's so much energy, but but it's so well constructed. It's so you feel like. 
the the horrible old cliche of like there's ten thousand hours to make a master in anything. It yeah. feels like ten thousand hours have gone into the construction of this one album. It feels like someone has poured over every single track and made it as lean and as compact and as compelling as possible. Um, the only thing I've heard that is similar to it, um, uh, who may uh, maybe some you guys never heard of, is a, is a British uh, sort of hip hop producer, but he's like a white British guy, so very much not the same vibe. But called Mr. Scruff, who who produced a, a few albums in like the nineties and early two thousands, that was again sort of compiled of samples and constructed together. But it feels the there feels like so much thought and and love that has gone into the and care that's gone into the construction of every single one of the tracks to make it part of this wider whole for all of the yeah yeah that i've done for the first two albums i just i'm like happy to be on this episode because i learned about this band and this album they've put they put out like two what two albums like they're they're individual uh producers and 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 artists i'm sure other people know them i'm sure there are people who go like how the heck have you never heard of these guys but for me this was my first experience and i was just like i'm so pleased that i was on this just to get exposed to them because what a great album you did that sam i did it (laughs) i brought joy love that experience of like when you listen to an album for the first time and you just know it's going to be one of your new like go-to albums like I felt that way about folklore I felt that way about sour like they're they're just some albums that just like they catch you good for you and then there's some albums like solar power yeah it took a while it took a while but now I'm listening to it more but yeah so so okay I want to I want to I want to jump in on solar power so like you actually you prefer it to the other two Lord albums, or like? Because I haven't got no. there yet with it. I, it's to me, I'm like, I like it, but it's, it feels surfacey. So this is what this is a a short oral history of me and Lord <laughs> in terms of album, like the way that I approach her albums. I loved Pure Heroin because I had heard like tracks of it on. My, like local radio station because this is when I was driving a lot and I was listening to the radio more often and I got into it as an album fell in love with it melodrama came out started listening to it what the heck is this this isn't what she used to do like what what is this exactly didn't understand it like wasn't sure what she was doing three months later gave it another shot because someone on a podcast was like no this is actually a really good album loved the album fell in love with it like one of my new favorite albums had surpassed pure heroin for me in terms of like what it is i still listen to that album a lot the exact same thing happened to me with solar power like lord is a chameleon when it comes to her music and i think the best thing you can do when going into a new lord album is to like throw out any expectations that you might possibly have because she's she is an artist who tries to do something very different every single time, which I think actually makes her a very good album artist because she approaches each new album as a different thing. I think also the thing about solar power is that it's a send up of Southern Californian culture. And so that, I don't know if that's too specific, but there are some things in it that I think are specifically like tongue in cheek being like, we're 
I'm going to talk about what it's like in Southern to live in Southern California and all the ridiculous things that they do here. So I think that might be part of that album. I, I'm going to get, I mean, I'm going to see Lord this summer. So I, I want to re-listen to Solar Power a few times before that happens because it did not grab me in the, the way the, the other two albums did. But that sounds like a really interesting evolution from the likes of Royals you know in terms of this is what it this is what it is to see this from afar and think it's ridiculous maybe now it's this is what it is to see it from present and think it's ridiculous exactly because yeah she lives in southern california now so a lot of it's about like living in this place and like southern california is a ridiculous place to live like if you think about it and if you think about it like culturally what it is and how many different corporations are there but how liberal it is like the nexus of all of these different things existing in one place and like she does a really good job screwing that it's also just a really good summer album in terms of like the sound is very summery but i'm excited for you to see lord because she's an amazing show like i that might be one of the best shows i think we've ever been to was her tour for melodrama are we ready for radiohead are you ready to listen to me talk about let's go tom york oh man uh okay so Tessa, Lassie talked about that joyous experience of hearing an album for the first time and knowing that you're going to love it. I know that you had that experience not just one time with Radiohead, but three times over. Because you listen to three different Radiohead albums. I and did. these are And these are three of the greatest albums of the last 25 years. According to this Pitchfork list, that's true. Listen, I've talked a little bit about this before in this episode, but the only real... I'm sure I've heard Radiohead songs, like, before. <laughs> like, I'm sure that I have. The only one that I know that I had heard before is Creep. Like, listen to it, know who it is memory of that song but i just i think it's because everything was being compared to radiohead when i was a kid and they just seemed like a bunch of like old privileged white guys to me when you when, you, like, when you were listening to these were there any alarms or surprises please <laughs> i just to me oh i i also should mention that the other day i i literally tried to say the the name of the band Radiohead and instead it came out Radio Hat. And so that's what I've been <laughs> that's what I've been referring to them as that's, for the last no, couple of we, days. We should all refer to them as that. No. Radio Hat. <laughs> but I, I think I was I resisted for so long because I was just like this is what people were telling me real music was, and I was just like, Well, fine, I'm gonna go listen to my music that makes me happy. So I'm not gonna listen to these dudes. But I will say, so I listened to OK Computer, Kid A, and In Rainbows, and Kid A is listed on this list as the best album of the last 25 years. But I listened to them in chronological order because that's what I like to do when I listen to things like this. So I listened to OK Computer first. I liked it more than I thought I would. I was like very like prepared to not like this album because again, like there I just had a lot of like preconceived notions about what Radiohead is. I enjoyed it. I think that the concept of androids and depression <laughs> is perhaps done better by Janelle Monet or Douglas um, Adams or Douglas Adams. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a really interesting, like, uh, I guess, is it, would we call it a skit? The fitter, happier, fitter, happier, track, an, interlude, an interlude, if you will. 
Yeah, I, I found that interesting to juxtapose that with The Chrome Shop, which is an interlude from Electric Lady by Janelle Monet, to describe the differences, I think, between those two concepts, because Fitter Happier is a very interesting interlude about, like, uh, the mechanization and androidization of, like, modern life and the way that Tom York views that, which is very, like we need to still be human and we need to get back to being humans. Whereas Janelle Monet celebrates the Android as an expression of the other. And like, I, I compare those two specifically because uh, the Chrome shop is like an expression of joy about Androidism, which I, I just found that very interesting, but I did like a lot of the tracks on okay computer. Like I was like, okay, maybe I'll only like one or two, but then I just like kept like adding more and more. I was like, okay, like this is an album I could listen to, but paranoid Android exit music for a film, which was written for Romeo and Juliet, which I didn't know until I listened to this. Is it karma police or good karma police? Karma police. Karma police. Is it karma police? Yeah. Karma police, uh, election earring, uh, no surprises, the tourist, all those were really good tracks. So I did really enjoy this. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a perfectly good version of this music. Uh, and I, I would probably listen to a lot of these tracks again, especially I, I feel like this is an album I actually do want to listen to multiple times because his vocals don't make it always very easy for no. me to understand the lyrics. Well, and so- in, the, in the 90s, if you made an album where everybody could understand what you said... I mean, like, it's not worth listening to. I mean, and you have Kurt Cobain and Eddie Vedder to thank for that, frankly. Right. But, like, but, I mean, again, like, that just means I need to listen to it. And the fact that I'm even talking about listening to it more than once is a good sign, I think. So the question then is, who is more off-putting because of their voice compared to the quality of their lyrics and music? Is it Tom York or is it Bob Dylan? See, I love Bob Dylan. I have a real soft spot in my heart for Bob Dylan. So I'm going to say Bob Dylan, but I acknowledge that there's a healthy dose of nostalgia attached to that answer, <laughs> whereas there is no nostalgia for Radiohead. It, You know, it's really, I, I like that you make the connection to Dylan. Like, I think there's a really interesting connection to be made. There's a quote in a, in a monkey song about the four kings of EMI. Which is, you know, the Beatles, right? Are are Radiohead the five kings of EMI? You know, because actually, sitting here as a as an American, you know, knowing what Beatlemania did, and then seeing the way that people reacted, because I was at college, you know, as well, when uh, around this time, so. And seeing how people reacted, like, was it that big of a deal? No. It wasn't not here. Uh, uh, it, it's not. It's not to criticize Radiohead, but who made some fantastic albums. But we've already discussed Britpop. Radiohead are not the yeah. kings of Britpop. Um, they're not the kings or, or queens of girl power. They're not. Um, they're not the Strokes, right? They're not. They are important small eye. Oh. That makes sense. And that's kind of how I felt going into it. And again, maybe I just don't have the cultural connection with them that um, some people here really did when it first came out. I was too young when yeah. this first came out. Yeah. But to me, I was like, this is good. And I would probably listen to it again. But this sounds to me like a lot of other people that I've heard. And it, this isn't the kind of music that genuinely appeals to me. 
by an example of it. I did like the guitar. I mean, people talk about the guitar of... <laughs> well, one of them's a famous composer Very who's yeah. nominated for Oscars. And the other is Ed O'Brien, who is criminally underused on yeah. everything after yeah, OK Computer. Yeah, the guitar Computer. in OK Computer is actually pretty good. I, I really appreciated that. And then I moved to Kid A. And I, I, I don't want to make it sound like Kid A is a bad album. I think it's perfectly fine for what it is, which is pretentious Owl City. <laughs> I, you got him. Good job. I, uh, I mean, it's fine. I would put it on while I was writing because it wouldn't distract me. Like it's perfectly good noise. Um, and if you like music that is also noise, this is an album for you. Like I just, it's again, it's not something that's going to like capture my attention. It's going to go one in one ear and out the other while I'm doing something else. And it'll be a perfectly pleasant experience for, but had by all, like <laughs> it won't distract me. Like my like favorite albums will. I would rather listen to Owl City. Oh, really? So you don't like Kid A? So with Owl City, it's always a good time, right? (laughs) 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 Because podcasting is a visual medium, Lazzy just broke out into dance. Uh, The the mentions of Owl City definitely made Lazzy very excited, very happy. I just don't really like Radiohead. I... I mean, completely fair. I, I, I'm like, I, it feels like I'm a, a betrayal of my middle age and my middle gender. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, sorry. No, no, it's fine. I would love to hear what you what you thought about it. The only song I really that stood out to me is like a a, a track that caught my attention was the track "Optimistic," but as an album, and and Idiotech actually kind of insulted. I found insulting. So <laughs> like that's that's me though. I just felt Idiotech to me actually felt like a song that was trying to say that Radiohead was better than everyone else because they understood the world was ending and everyone else was just dancing. And I'm like, hello, queer people have been dancing for a long time as a form of resistance. Don't call something that's like a yeah, queer icon. Dub-dubs. Yeah, like I don't uh I didn't like that. But I went to uni just as Radiohead were were pretty big, and it just wasn't for me. Like uh, again, unlike some people who really like Radiohead, I prefer Joy. And in my case, some of the Joy came with No Doubt and uh, random ska punk nonsense and uh, things that I could objectively <laughs> say are less or inferior works of music and art. But like again, like what's the point of music? The point of music is to uh, have people like it. So, uh, and no criticism to any music. Any music that gets anyone uh, five seconds, two seconds, one second of joy is good music, as far as I'm right. concerned. And like, if this is your favorite album, good for yeah. you. Like, I'm glad you have this. But for me, it feels like watching 2001: A Space Odyssey. Like everything is technically correct, but it feels very cold. Like, Sam watches Star Trek the motion picture. Yes. I told you we recorded about Star Trek between <laughs> talking with you and Jarrett. We we spared a few minutes to talk about the remaster. So yes, I actively watched parts of that movie again. <laughs> For the second time. <sighs> boy, oh boy. 
Uh, and then finally in Rainbows, uh, which I thought was interesting because you mentioned the the whole like pay as you want model for in Rainbows when it first came out before they mm-hmm. did the physical release. They actually did a like, here's a new Radiohead album. Pay what you think this album is worth. And like, I think that's really interesting. I always like it. I'm as we know, I have a bitter relationship with you two because of what they did with their album. But I do find I do find the Wait, we're comparing this. You can't leave wait, behind. We're comparing this to you two. You can't leave behind's not on this. No, I mean like you two when they forced everyone to have was it songs of innocence. Mm-hmm. When they forced everyone to download songs of innocence onto their onto their phones and and iPods. That was, I did not like that. That caused me to have a very bad day at work where I had a lot of people calling me asking if someone had stolen their credit card. On that so, day, like, Tessa's innocence was lost. It, it's true. <laughs> in a very, in the Blakeian way, she moved from... Innocence to experience. <laughs> to experience. Yes. And then a couple of years later, you two released that album. So, but they didn't do it on their phones. And you know what? I hold it against you two, what happened that day. Wow. I've like personally as a band, I hold it against I them. mean, I assume Apple paid them an absolute dump truck of money in order to do, do so. I, I yes. understand. But I do like it. But that putting that incident aside, I do like it when bands experiment with the way that they put their music out there and when they experiment with making it accessible to different fandoms oh you mean and like so how appreciate... manda palmer launched patreon and uh, had the biggest selling yeah yeah exactly so she she's really good at that uh, but then also like um just like even like people who release like billy eilish released her initial music uh you know online you know like there's different ways that you can interact in that way and so i do appreciate the way that in rainbows was was released yeah. it had some good songs on it i really liked reckoner i really liked uh which i apparently always makes sam cry so you know again mark of a good song i did like also I th- I'm trying to remember the name of the last track on that. I just album. like being told I'm not to blame. Okay. Uh, I I know I know. By by Tom York, he comforts me <laughs> in this very one specific instance. There's a lot. I liked that this was less noise and it was kind of getting more back into something that resembled a melody. Videotape. That's the other song that I really liked. I thought the piano on videotape was really quite excellent. But as an album, I thought it was more forgettable than OK Computer, which I hate saying because I know Jarrett just said in the last part that In Rainbows was his favorite Radiohead album. Again, it's just like, to me, Radiohead, I listened to them. I'm glad I did. I learned something about myself and OK Computer. And I think it's interesting to juxtapose that album with Janelle Monet. But this is just not a band that has any kind of appeal to me. If this is the kind of music you like, I can see why you like Radiohead. But for me, it's just very going to be very forgettable. I'm probably not going to remember to put Radiohead on is the thing um, for me. And it's not a criticism on them. They're clearly really good at what they do. Like they're, a, they're an excellent band. They're excellent musicians, but they just don't have the, the things that usually hook me into specific bands or albums or even songwriting in that way but i do have a few new songs to add to the playlist hey so hey i'm yeah. sorry if i offended you diehard radiohead fans but that's how i felt i would say creep and no alarms no surprises are the 
like the two best known tracks over here in terms of the ones that would would get radio play like the i.e. the ones that radiohead refused to play at gigs because that's right yeah fed up with them isn't creep like early 90s yeah yeah right it was before the bends came out a lot of people thought they were a one-hit wonder Ah. creep was the one hit gotcha my RA was one of the people who shut himself in the room for a week when Kid A came out. I was too busy listening to, you know, Soundgarden and Rage Against the Machine. Uh, maybe Which I you cannot this. study to. I should say this. Next time somebody says they listen to Radiohead when they're trying to counter my pop music with something that is much cooler than mine, maybe I won't roll my ar- my eyes quite so hard. You like. should you should absolutely roll your you should roll your eyes harder yeah. because you now know what they're talking about. Yeah. Again, it's not Radiohead's fault that they have these kinds of fans. I just it again, it it makes me just be like they're fine. Do they belong at the top of this list? No. Do they have need to have multiple albums in the top 25? No. But I understand why people like yeah. them. The one uh, one thing I just wanted to follow on that, similar to our earlier point of uh, like how does the strokes then affect other bands? So I'm interested to understand how Radiohead affected like college bands or otherwise in the US. Yeah. But to me the only band that really followed after Radiohead and then quite quickly diverged in terms of their sound if not in terms of their weirdness was muse in the uk so oh that's right we meant to talk about muse so the first muse album got very much painted with a brush of like this is radiohead part two their their derivative i think the first muse album is pretty great the second muse album origin of symmetry is a genuine masterpiece and maybe it was too early for this list um i can't remember i think it came out around 99 no 2000 so is that the one with supermassive black hole no that's the fourth album okay so origin of symmetry is it would be a top five album for me of, of all time and i i've seen muse play it live at reading start to finish and then go on and play another hour and a half of hits after it it is it has like all the, I mean, like Matt Bellamy has con- has said multiple times that he wishes he was Rachmaninoff. Like it's got, it takes the piano pretentiousness to the next level in terms of that. It's got bombastic bass lines. It's got incredible guitars. It's got utter ridiculousness throughout it. It is operatic um, in a rock album. And I think that is a band and that is an album that is not represented on this list. And I would say, probably should be i think that they're um i think i think their first four albums are all fantastic they rapidly diminishing returns rapidly off off the edge of their of their own um uh their own egos after that if not before long before that but um but origin of symmetry by muse is is one i would say that they are a band who were a uh inheritor of radiohead who went off and did their own own thing but whereas the strokes you could probably uh, perhaps due to the scene rather than them as an individual band. You can see a lot of bands following through from them, whereas from Nirvana, you can see a lot of bands following through from them. I don't think that, from my perspective, Radiohead have have had as direct an influence on as many successful follow-up bands as as some of these others. Their their effect is singular. Yeah. Rather than being a band that inspires other people to make music, they are a band that inspires people to listen to Radiohead. 
Yeah, or to or not or to not or to go and seek something different right it's interesting so, but again like I, I do go back to this like i went to uni this band was out like i am perfect target demographic for for radiohead mm-hmm. but i just wanted something a bit more upbeat i wanted something yeah peppier poppier and that i've never got that from radiohead i've never got mm-hmm. uh, back to the blur oasis point blur reinvented themselves Every album they reinvented themselves. I don't know that I have enough knowledge to say that about Radiohead, but it doesn't seem to me like they did. But they they went off and Johnny Greenwood went off to do scores and seems to be very, very good at them. Yeah. Oh, he's ex. For I would sure. rather listen to his scores than listen to another Radiohead album. Like that is how much I like Johnny Greenwood. Yeah. But I and I should mention, too, it's not even just like the upbeat tempo for me because I listen to what Sam likes to call sad girl emo music. But like I don't use the word emo. Sad girl music. Just sad girl. Yeah, music. Sad girl music. Yes. So like I, you know, I love my pop hits, but I can also listen yeah. to something that is a lot slower and a lot, a lot. Laura Mulligan. More in terms. Well, a yeah. lot more um, like mood specific, I guess, to Radiohead. But I just. It, it's just it's fine it's just it's not hitting the stuff that that i wanted to hit i guess it's just it is what it is and if you like it i'm glad do you want one more album there's nowhere near any genre we've touched on so far that should yes. be in the top 25 100 percent. the hamilton official soundtrack oh we haven't even talked so, about soundtracks actually so actually okay well well jared talked about sufjan stevens yeah right and so illinois is on there and he was talking about how the songs and the lyrics from that are very uh, specific to a time and place but it was about making was it the specific general, general specific? It's about making the specific general yes. using a metaphor, talking about something, but it's actually right. talking about And he was talking about else. Superman, yeah. the song on there. But there are songs about you know Lincoln and the World's Fair and all that kind of stuff. And I thought about it, but we'd already been recording for quite a long time, <laughs> not unlike right now. <laughs> and I said, this album, because I listened to it yesterday, yesterday or Friday, reminds me of Hamilton. That's... I I almost said that. I wish it was on tape. <laughs> so I could be like, you know what I did earlier? But yeah, uh, that's an album that's been hugely important to a lot of people. And frankly, is a much better version of Illinois, if you're asking me, if you want to have that conversation. But yeah, totally. I just think, it, I'm like, we're not, we don't view it in the same way because it's a, uh, a soundtrack from a musical, but it is an album, right? It's an album. Has it inspired other things? It's inspired other things. Some of them are more, more things for Lin-Manuel Miranda, but like all of the things, all of the things, all of until he gets the EGOT, he can't rest. Please God, let him rest. Just give it to (laughs) us. We'll stop. They're breaking it by, by, like nominating the wrong <laughs> songs from Encanto, and you're like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> hey, we don't talk about that. Oh. Okay, I can like but, as long but, as we're talking about music, I will always have one for you. I can always do that. 
As long as we're talking about music. I prefer um, Pressure from that, uh, from Encanto. I think that is a, like, we, we don't talk about Bruno, yeah. is incredible. And it's very, like, nonstop from Hamilton, right? But um, but Pressure, as a, I think, as a, as a song, as a standout, like, I think that's a great. It's a great movie. I want to watch it again. <laughs> the advantage of having it's two really small good. children is that you do tend to watch a lot of Disney movies, <laughs> musical movies, quite a lot. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. All right. Are you ready to wrap we're, this we're, up? Are we ready to close up the vault? Yeah. <laughs> Sam never gets to do a music episode ever again. Andy is probably like super happy oh, right now. Geez. <laughs> oh, jeez. Once man. every couple of years. It was great, right? though. We had a lot of fun <laughs> no, today. this was actually really Didn't fun, we? though. I really enjoyed okay. this. Okay. All right. One day we'll just have you on a regular episode of Monkey. I swear it. You'll talk about something that you picked. <laughs> or we'll just do Star Wars in December. Who's to say? Well, we'll see. Um, all right. So this was a thought experiment of a thought experiment. And we are now finished. We have plenty of music to listen to. Lazi, where can people tell you you're wrong online? I'm on Twitter at Mean Englishman. And Tessa. You can find me on Twitter at Suela Tessa. Suela is spelled S-W-E-H-L-A. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nanny Ox Book Club, where Nigel and I are reading through all 41 of Terry Pratchett's Discworld novels. You can find me online at Sam underscore Morris 9. Send us your thoughts about all the music we talked about today. Pitchfork. (laughs) What pop culture you've crossed off your list lately? What you'd like for us to talk about on future episodes or anything else that comes to mind. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Monkey Backlog. Email us at monkeyoffmybacklog at gmail.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Stitcher, Amazon Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, your disco needs you. Get that monkey off your back. <laughs>